Weir's World, the All Ears podcast, in association with Hoppy's Dry Suit Services, keeping you dry in the wet stuff. For more information, search Hoppy's Dry Suit Services on Facebook. Welcome to Weir's World, the All Ears podcast, which will take you on a roller coaster journey around the world. Follow me from Beijing to New York City and back as I share my tales to tell, encompassing the 10 years of Gliadric and the Kabbalistic Cavalry, as well as touring with some well known faces. From celebrity stories to travel nightmares, We'll be reminiscing on the ridiculousness of it all, with special guests jumping in along the way. All Ears is your new favourite weekly podcast. Evening. Hello. <laughs> well, well, well. What a weekend. What a weekend. <laughs> what a weekend. So here we are, Monday night, episode 49. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've spent the weekend at the Yacht Graces. Um yeah. At the Skybet Ebor Festival. Um, well, we start chronologically and uh, work through some of the some of the scandal of the weekend. Um, we can try. <laughs> we'll start on Friday in yep. Carlisle. Yeah. A few, a, a few, a few, a few. A, a You're few, still drunk. <laughs> <laughs> a few sherbets deep Friday night. Yeah. One of us had an odd idea. Yeah, not sure who it was. Can't can't remember who it was. One of us did. To play a game that we're now affectionately calling FaceTime Roulette. Yeah. Um I mean, there were no rules really. We just got drunk and called lots and lots and lots of people. Yeah. Um if if any of those people are listening, sorry. In fact, probably sorry for waking you up. At one o'clock in the morning, if you're in UK time. Yeah. But we did decide to go a wee bit global at one point. Yeah, we did well. We connected to New York. We connected to Los Angeles. We connected to Montreal. Um, we connected to uh, Glasgow. Um, yep. We connected to Edinburgh. We connected yep. all over the place. Um, in fact, we nearly <coughs> we nearly managed as many different locations as countries that this podcast has been listened to. Not, not quite, though. Um, among others, oh, we also called Jerry Cinnamon. We've just yep. discovered yet. Yeah, we called him yep. Friday night. Um, Jai McDowell, he's another one that we gave a ring. Um, yeah, um, sorry, everyone, if we woke you up. Yeah, sorry about that. It seemed like a funny idea at the time, but now, mm, still funny. <laughs> still funny. Yeah. Then it was Saturday. We, we headed on the road down to, down to York. Yeah. What, any any notions of what the first scandalous tale was? What was the first? Oh, the first one. Uh, in chronological order here. I don't even know what the first one was. What a nightmare getting to the races though from our hotel it has to be said. That was definitely a nightmare. Yeah, don't uh, don't leave it to last minute to try and get yourself to one of the biggest horse races and events in the UK. Is probably the um, the conclusion. The bit of advice we've got. It's a, it's a good bit of advice, yeah. It's mm. um, well, well, well worth noting. Um, we got there. Yep. Do you, want to, do you want to share your winnings with the with the masses? How much did you win, Ali? Uh, I paid out a total of £70. I have checked my bank account and it was only £70. And I got back £17.50. I'm no expert, but that seems like a loss to me. Um, <laughs> what about you? Um, I also checked my bank account. Also yep. seventy pounds. Um, fifty-five pounds worth of winnings. Obviously, you get your money's returned. So uh, yep. as well. So actually, pretty much broke even. Um, so yeah, happy days. Yep. Thank you very much to Sonny Boylston and his um, trusty jockey yep. for uh, for that. That was that was very nice. And then I guess we headed on into town after the races. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some excellent bars in the centre of York, by the way, as well. Mm-hmm. Known that, the, house yep. Shout, the House of the Trembling Madness and the, um, the Evil Eye. Um, and also shout, David. Sh- shout out to Tommy, who uh, you were getting <laughs> on re- really well with at one point. Tommy, yeah. yeah Tommy. Shout out to Tommy. T- actually, it's Tommy Lee. It's a double battle. Sorry, to- Tommy Lee. I do yeah, don't want to cause any more offence than what is required. Yep. Um, yeah, shout out to Tommy Lee. Story that does not need to be told. Um, and then, 
it then got interesting the more that we had to drink, you know, and uh, <clears throat> as we were then trying to navigate our way back to our hotel, um, after, do you want to, um, well, in fact, first of all, I'll tell the first part, you can tell the second part. The first one was obviously as we're heading, as we are heading to the taxi, um, or the Uber, if you will, I mean, obviously you have to book. That is a very, very important point yep. on the races weekend as we're heading. Um, nice, nice English girl, you know, as far as I remember. The, the, the beer goggles were on right enough. And, yep. Excuse me, guys, can you tell me the way to go to such and such unknown place that's named we, none of us can remember? Yep. <laughs> to which you replied, I think it's uh, <laughs> down there on the right, pointed right, uh, to which I replied, no, 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 definitely down there on the left and pointed the other way. Um, she clocked on to us, uh, called us, what for? We probably deserved it, although she was rather fun about it. Um, so apologies to unknown Yorkshire-based human. Yep. Um, and then you need to take over from here because <laughs> that, that was priceless. You know, if my Monday felt like it got a bit, you know, rough today at times, just remembering this next story got me through the day. Absolutely brilliant. Yep. So, um, as you say, stand there waiting on an Uber. <clears throat> Uber arrives, and there's two young girls um, who obviously don't realise it's an Uber, and an Uber you've got to book in advance as well. So, as uh, as we are getting into the other side of the Uber car, one of them is banging on the driver's window and saying, "Oh, taxi! Can we can we get this taxi?" So. Obviously, the driver says, no, it's an Uber. It's got to be booked in advance. So as we climb into the back seats, she clocks me in the back seat and looks at me through the window. And, of course, I thought, oh, I feel a wee bit bad. So as, as the driver <laughs> did, starts... To, did you, though? Did you? Did turns you? out I probably didn't. As the driver starts to pull away, um, I thought, well, I'll try and ease things a wee bit. So I put the window down and said, have a good night, ladies. To that it, was a, it, was a, it was a little bit sarcastic. It was like, a little bit sarcastic. I said, have, 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 have a, a nice night. night, ladies. Yes. I think I maybe done the Vs as well, which probably didn't go down well. So I, I said, <laughs> that might have, not have helped. <laughs> yeah. have, a, have a good night, ladies, with the Vs. And as uh, I put the window back up, I heard at the last minute the lady shout, Wankers. So I then decided, well, I can't leave it there. So I then put the window down again. And as the driver was pulling away, it shouted, Wankers with a cab. Never, never one to be beaten. It was an no. absolutely beautiful moment in the grand yes. the weekend. I'm so apologies to those two young girls we left on the city streets of York. Yeah, absolutely. Um, although it was a pretty wet, it was a pretty wet um, day. But obviously, mm. the um, the adulting purchase that we noted in the last episode came in real handy, mm-hmm. didn't it? It did. Yeah. Where is it yeah. now? That my adulting purchase. Yeah. But you see, this is good because it means that people now need to listen to the previous episode in case it was some sort of, I don't know, sex toy or something. Um, it, oh, it sounds like that, actually, doesn't it? It was left at the side of the street. Any reason in particular? Uh, we forgot it after we, we ate a lot of Indian food. Also worth giving a shout out to the kind gentleman who, when asked upon, um, you know, if we could change a £5 note into coins um, for a, a couple more games of pool... Mm. It was a draw, by the way, for anyone who's interested. Um, and we got too tired and drunk to, to, to continue. So we are standing at a draw. Um, thanks to the kind gentleman who, instead of returning £5 to us, gave us £4.60. What a man. Yeah, 40 pence down on that one for some reason. Um, you, you weren't including that in the, in, the, in the amount that you were down? Nope, forgot that one. Um, and if anybody is ever on Bishop Thorn Road in York, there is a little Indian restaurant called Lakila. Um, so if you're ever heading there, you will see Craig's adult purchase. That's where it was last seen. Last seen at the Bishop. Uh, Bishop Bishop Thorpe Road in York. There's an ah. Indian called Lalkila. That's where you will see Craig's adult purchase. And if maybe if, if they listen to this, then they can maybe uh, send it back. I don't know. Excellent. And I feel like there's someone else we need to shout out, but I can't. It's, it's oh, I'll tell you who we need to shout out to. Kieran. Big shout, out, big shout out to Kieran. 
Um, lad shouting across the bar at me that I look like Charlie Mulgrew, first of all, which I'm not really having since he's uh, uh, on the tangerine side of Dundee now. Um, but um, yeah, I'll take that. He's not a bad looking chappy. Um, yeah, who proceeded to tell us his uh, what his weight loss on a week by week calendar basis. That was interesting. Mm, yeah, um, that was interesting. And there was that period in June of about six weeks where he had no weight in his wee note at all. And we asked, why during those weeks did you not weigh yourself? And he said, that's the weeks that I had COVID. Bear in mind, that was less than two months ago. So if we come down with anything anytime soon, probably Kieran, I would have thought. <coughs> Sorry. <clears throat> That's okay, that happens. Uh, as I say, yeah, if we come down with anything. <coughs> yeah. Ke- Kieran. Joking. Joking. Joking for a point. <laughs> no, hey, <laughs> could do one, but it's a, it's a Monday after all. We couldn't be having that. Um, anyway. I, I, know I, you've, know. I, know me, I know you've told me I've had some interesting segues, if you will, over the, over the last year. Yeah. But... Uh, I'd like to see make us is a star of TV, of radio. Um, he's done some bits of journalism, comedy, and in fact, um, right as we are rounding off our podcast um, after the last year, still a few episodes to go, don't worry, guys. Um, Hardly, oh, I've given it away. Oh, we're giving it away. Um, our guest this evening is in the process of launching his own podcast. Um, and so... I wonder, I wonder if he'll chat in Afghanistan, Cambodia, um, around the world. Let's see. Um, so we're joined this evening by Hardeep Singh Kohli. Um, Hardeep, how, how are you doing? Not bad, Craig Weir. How are you? Since you're using my full name, I'm going to use yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm doing good, man. It's, it's been a long time since uh, we've spoken. Um, seven years, I think, if, um, if I'm not mistaken. Something like that. Yeah. This is my friend Ali as well. We didn't uh, we didn't introduce Ali at the start. If you want to refer to him as, with his full name, it's Ali Ogilvy, if you will. <laughs> is, that, is that Alistair Ogilvy? Uh, Alistair Ogilvy. That is, yeah. yeah. That's the full one. That's yes. And join us next week on Could You Be Mayor Scottish? <laughs> Alistair Ogilvy and Craig Weir. <laughs> yeah. You're pure. Ogilvy's pure. It's a lovely pure. term. I like it, pure. That. Yeah. I'm taking, yeah, I'm going to use that one. That's what's awesome. <laughs> Of George, um, and Andrew Nations to almost charity is gratefully accepted. <laughs> and uh, big wheel, I mean, a wheel, obviously, you know, I'm gonna forward to that wheel. <laughs> what's been what's been happening? Like, um, how, how have you been the last obviously, well, up until fairly recently, the last year and a half have been pretty rough for a lot of people. Have you, um, have you managed to stay healthy yourself? Um, <laughs> managed to stay creative? What have you been up to? What you've been doing? Well, I'm always very, I'm very conscious of the fact that I have a a pretty good life, a pretty blessed life. Mm-hmm. So I think one has to take that into account when you have a hard time because my heart, I suppose, if you have a good life, you know, and you've, you've got a roof over your head and food in your fridge, having a hard time, it doesn't really compare to somebody else. It doesn't know where the next meal's coming from. But it was the worst two years of my life, as you're asking. Because I've got the two sectors I work in, because I moved back up the road. Mm-hmm. 2014, obviously, there was a wee vote happening that year. I don't know if you heard anything about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was living in Edinburgh, the only capital city in the history of the world to vote against independence. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, because you couldn't have a debate on Twitter or Facebook about independence. So I was also ready to come home. So I come home, um, and then, of course, when you, when you work in my industry and you come home, you realise everything is London-centric. Yeah. Um, and I tried to kind of do the living between London and Glasgow thing. But I mean, you know, why have cotton when you live in silk? You know, I live in the best country in the world and the best city in the world. You know, I loved London. I had a great time at London. I ate at the top table and did all the things you're meant to do. Yeah. But, you know, my kids are, you know, one of them was born, uh, the other one was born in Falkirk, just in case he was good at football. He played for Scotland and he got quite close to being a professional footballer. So, yeah. yeah. Not bad at all. Um, so I came up the road and uh, there's just, for a nation as creative as we are, right? And you go on any film set, any television set, any big high-profile radio program, just listen to who presents the radio and does the telly. Anywhere in industry, 
any sector, you name it, we punch well above our weight. So the long and the short of it is, um, I um, I came up the road because I wanted to to be in my country for independence. Um, and obviously, you've touched upon the fact that you were down south for a little while, but you you were born over, you were born up in Scotland, obviously, and then you moved down. But your family are of are of Indian descent. Am I right in saying I, that? It, I came up when I was like four years old. So the way I think about it is, I did all my schooling here. Yeah. Um, I, I could play for any national. I mean, that's what upset me more than anything else. I couldn't play for the Scottish football team. And that was, you know, but my dream, in all seriousness, as a Wayne, was to be the first brown Scot to play for the, the international rugby team. That was, rugby was my game. Um, okay. And, you know, I got close and then other things happened. So, you yeah, know, I, I, I was born there, came up here when I was four. I was here till I was uh, 20, 22. And I went down to London for three months. And that became 21 years. Because they ran out of work for me up here. I was 22 years old and they ran out of work. Oh. What does that, you know? How, well, how do you, how do you interpret that? What do you mean by that? Well, I just, you know, I was a trainee. I was a production trainee at the BBC. Yeah. 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 Um, and there weren't, and I, you know, because I'd been freelancing for six or nine months beforehand. I'd done a lot of work, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, and so it kind of came to about a year and a half in and I applied for a job down south. Um, and eventually got the job down south in Scotland just let me go because they're like, well, there's no way we can offer you that. I was working at Children's Telly as yep. a, a producer, training producer and a, a director. I couldn't get that experience up here, you know. Um, I had a great time down there, you know. Thing is, I studied law at university. I studied Scots law. Did you? You beat me to it. That's, that was what I was going to ask you. Like, what, what was your background in terms of education and whatnot? And so uh, here's the thing. Um, coming as I do from Glasgow, I have that socialist, that kind of the Red Clydesiders influence. I grew up in the seventies, you know, and my um, one of my heroes. There you go. Um, um, you know, Jimmy Reed was one of my heroes. You know, um, uh, and we you know we were. And again, it's tricky to be proud of Glasgow in terms of empire, but we were the second city of empire. And from a work ethic point of view. You know, we built those ships. Yeah. You know, so Artem is really proud about that. Artem is like, well, what was going on with those ships? What were they transporting? Um, and, and for me, what I loved about coming from here, and also then I had a Catholic education. And what you need to understand about the Catholic education I had was social justice was a big part of it. But the Catholicism I grew up with was kind of, you know, about trying to create a kind of social justice. And the Sikhs are very big on social justice. So that, that's a really interesting thing about the kind of Catholicism and the Irish influence of the West of Scotland. You know, like, kind of, you know, the Irish immigrants love meat. Sikhs love meat. The Irish immigrants you know, love a wee swally. Sikhs love a wee swally. The Irish immigrants love a fight at a wedding. Sikhs love to start fights at weddings. So <laughs> there are commonalities there, you know. Um, so for me, I wanted to do something that's, I wanted to fight for the untrodden, you know. I wanted to stand up for the working woman and the man that didn't have... I mean, you know, I was at university with Nicola Sturgeon, and that's exactly what Nicola went on to do, you know. Um, for me, I realised there were no... You know, there was no Catholic high court judges when I was in law school, only one woman. So I'm like, if they're not even going to give a job to women or to Catholics, what hope have I got? Mm. And then I find, found the media. <clears throat> Folk wore really expensive jeans and smelled them. Things that smell like Tom Ford now, but there was no Tom Ford back then. Ford, Tom Ford back then was a guy from Bayliston, you know. Um, and we <laughs> yeah. weren't really first name was Tom, um, but anyway, yeah, a different age. So that's what I did. So, when, so I suppose that uh, I've got I've got two questions to take from that, and that's before we even get near the script. When was the last time you started a fight at a win? Uh, and oh. secondly, um, <clears throat> how wild was Nicholas Sturgeon at university? <laughs> um, right. Oh, should I tell the story of my pal? <laughs> okay, so um, here's the thing. There's a lovely quote from Tennessee Williams. Um, no, it's not Tennessee Williams. Sorry, it's Oscar Wilde. Youth is wasted on the young, right? Uh-huh. So it's, um, and also I think it was Aristotle. Um, if I knew better then what I know now, if I knew the what, when, why, how, 2020 vision. No, that was George Benson. That's George Benson. Sorry. I was saying that's Plato. Um, anyway, um, it was somebody. <laughs> when I was at university, 
the the caliber of lecturer I had in law school, right? Yeah. And also there were two brown kids and one black kid out of 110. So I knew that like I'd done well. Um, but I hadn't understood. And this is a pre-internet agency. When you have an appetite for, for news and stuff, you can only read the papers or watch the telly or go yeah. the line. Of course, when you're sitting your exams, there's not much time to do any of the rest of it, you know. And again, in an immigrant household, my parents are really interested in politics, but they were working 90 hours a week, the pair of them, you know. There wasn't anyone there to explain politics to me. I learned myself. I was fascinated from the age of nine. So in long and short, it was Professor Alan Grant, who's a professor of politics, smoked 60 a day, amazing man, um, was actually in uh, D.C. during Watergate. So right. he was the American politics lecturer. And so you're hearing firsthand from this guy, I yeah. wish I could have met him 10 years later because I would have got all his jokes. I would have understood everything he was saying. Anyway, so long ago, you could smoke in tutorials, right? Smoking, right? So I got a light up fag and Nicholas says, Professor Grant, surely you're not going to allow smoking in a clo- an enclosed room like this. And of course, he's 60 a day. He's like, well, hey. Miss Sturgeon, that's a very good point. It was days before Ms. It was Miss, right? Yeah, Ms. Yeah, yeah. Um, since this is a politics class, let's do it democratically. And he always had me at his right-hand side because he liked me, right? So I was on his right-hand side. So he goes, right, well, you know, I'm Alan Grant. I'm the professor, and I would like to smoke in classes. It goes round, right? And there was uh, 10 of us in the tutorial, and him, 11. So it's five against five. Nicola puts her hands up, no smoking. It's five to five when it comes to me. And Mr. Grant goes, Mr. Coley, how will you be casting your vote? So I just took a fag out and let her. I didn't say anything. She gave me daggers like you wouldn't believe. But you know, luckily we became friends thereafter. She was an amazing, an inspirational woman. We don't we don't know how lucky we are. Yeah, it's a, it's a very fair point, yeah. She's a very strong, she's a strong, well, I mean, I don't, I've only met her a few times, but and you, you obviously know her much, much better, but she's a very, very strong lady, human leader. But no, you, you kind of, everyone that spoke to her, and also the decisions she made, she was a brilliant student. She could have gone off to make loads of money, but mm. she didn't. She went to go work in a housing office and, and govern. Yeah. Or, Glasgow has given the world great writers, great songwriters, great artists, yeah. great scientists. You know, uh, Aberdeen, we'll get back to Aberdeen. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Dundee gave us, you know, Ricky Ross, and the world's forever grateful for that. Um, yet we've got this. And when I was growing up, I thought Catholics and Protestants were different religions. And that, technically, they're not. They have the same religion, just different yeah. faces. Yeah. And, you know, great, and that's what was great about being brown in Scotland in the 70s, is they were too busy knocking lumps at each other for being different sects of Christianity. The browns just slipped through the net. You know, we were fine, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I mind getting chased home from school once uh, by these big boys. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got chased down a wee cul-de-sac next to the old Apollo Ballroom. Yeah. And my big brother told me, the only good bit of advice he gave me when we were Wayne's was like, ah, if you're going to get a doing, take it like a man. Because you're going to get a doing anyway. 12 years old. It's a big guy. He can't have been much more than 15, 16. Craig, but he looked like a man, right? Because he's, yeah. he's not links Africa. That's manly, right? Manly, masculine, um, yeah. Right. Which is yeah. ironic because he was a racist. So, <laughs> But he's prepared to put something called Africa on his body. That's so often the case. Um, and so he was like, he was a right son. And I wore, I was at, at Sim School. So I had green blazer, green tie, mm-hmm. green bag, pullover in the green and the gold under, big gold eagle, mm-hmm. right? And guess what colour my turban was? That's right, it was green. Well done. You threw the next round of spot, the Catholic. Um, <laughs> from head to toe in green, I'm a brown boy. If I stood like this, I look like a tree. <laughs> See, that's, that doesn't work so well on a podcast. Visually, that's a cracking joke. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. He goes to his... What are you? I'm like, what? What are you? Oh, what do you mean? It was, what are you? Catholic and Protestant. Got terminal. Yeah. I have to seek. Now, the weirdest thing happened there, Craig, Alistair. I saw, I saw understanding chasing confusion across his face because he's clearly heard the word seek before. Yeah. I think he was trying to work out whether it was in a context other than the phrase high dams. <laughs> yeah. So he gathers himself and he goes, all right, Catholic Sikh and Protestant Sikh. True story. I mean, I got a kick in, but I've never laughed all the way through a kick in before. Yeah. Funniest thing I've ever heard. Anyway, I don't know why I was telling that story. Maybe it was just interesting. Um, 
What was your question? <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't remember. But we are. Let, let's um, let's go and have a look and delve into some of your kind of um, career um, highlights, I guess, uh, up to up to this point, and tell us about your experiences with it. Because <clears throat> you were telling us about obviously when you, when you when you finish your studies and all that sort of stuff. How did you go from first of all from doing a law degree to uh-huh. ending up doing producing with the BBC? Because you, there are quite like reportage um it'll never work um meet the magoons there's all sorts of different um things that you've been involved in producing and directing over the like in the earlier parts of your career in particular how did I that mean, come out it was a different age in those days yes yeah. uh, things were a lot more informal so for example i graduated i was working uh, i was waiting tables i was also working at the sets theater as um, another usher um and yeah. then other pieces so one night in the restaurant a couple of folk that had been in my school years above and I knew their younger siblings had come in and they were presenting a programme called Old Question on uh, BBC TV. And also well, John Nicholson, who's uh, the MP for um, uh, Ochil um, and the SNP spokesman Westminster on the Arts, was a friend of mine. He kind of encouraged me to get involved. And I said to them, I said, I was literally waiting at the table, clearing the dishes and managing the restaurant. I said, I was 20 years old or something. And they said, I said, how'd you get on the telly? She goes, oh, go and see this guy. He'll get you on the radio. Literally a bit of paper. No mobile phones in those days, right? Yeah. So I phoned the switchboard because I don't know you're not meant to. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, um, and it can only be an obstacle if I believe it to be an obstacle. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was white as the Clyde. I wasn't going to be stopped, right? Yeah. So I phone up uh, and I get through to the guy and the guy says, his name was Quentin Cooper. And I'll forget, I owe him a very great deal. One of the early um, uh, uh, English kind of refugees to Scotland, he saw the quality of life here very early on, and he mm-hmm. came a cracking career. He discovered um, Eddie Mayer, worked with him, Eddie Mayer, of course, a, a, a PM, uh, Armando Iannucci, thick of it, and all the rest of it, Siobhan Senna, Claire English, just the most amazing people, known yeah. in the business and outside the business. So Quentin was responsible for bringing a lot of people on. Um, and I just went in and he handed me a razor blade and quarter-inch tape. He says, go and learn how to edit tape and then go and make a package. Mm. If it's any good, we'll pay you for it. No parts. I just wandered in at the BBC. That. You know? And that's wow. sort of, you know, and then, again, it's that thing of, I, remember, I always remember, uh, so I've got this job. Um, so they, they quite liked me at the BBC because I was, I was keen. You know, I was... And, and I had a really good education, you know, and mm. again, it was an intro. That's why, you know, it's really important. If you work in an office where it's all men, surely you want a female perspective. Surely you want a perspective from Lithgow as well as from Luton, you know. You want, yeah. and I suppose I was often a slightly different perspective to folk. Um, and I got, I got a job as a researcher through an Edinburgh BBC Education. The producer was on extended sick leave. So they said to me, have you produced before? And I said, yes, big lie. I then phoned up my pal and I said, how do you produce radio? And I learned on the job, you know? Mad. As you, say, that, as, you, as you say, that wouldn't happen now. Like that, you could that... do, couldn't do it now, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I always said to my kids, because, you know, my, my kids were really funny about me coming up, because, you know, I've got connections in the business. Um, so I'd say to my kids... So my son studied music at um, uh, this music college in London because he works in the music business now, which is really nice. Um, and uh, mine got to the parents, uh, not the parents' night, kind of like a, uh, an event thing. And one of the lecturers said, uh, for Glasgow, was, oh, it's a shame, how did you couldn't come and do that lecturing for us? And I'm like, what lecturing? I was like, oh, I asked your son to you come in and do a series of lectures. I was like, so both my kids have always said no to me connected them up they said we want to do it ourselves and I'm like that's all well and good but there's nothing wrong with getting your folks to put a word in for you it's just the folks have been folks of a different class and a different do you know what I mean yeah. it's all kind of posh white people you know I've got no yeah. problem with women asking other women to come and do jobs mm. we're always going to hire folk we know we're always going to do that sure just change you know how did you then how come how did you then make the transition from you know, being produced, like producing and all that sort of stuff, to being 
in front of the screen on so many, you know, you've been on lots of different shows, um, Celebrity MasterChef, New British Kitchen. I want to also ask you about Famous Rich and Homeless, because that must have been a really interesting experience yeah. to have been on. Yeah, that was, I'll tell you about that in a minute. I mean, I never, I was offered to be in front of the camera a few times. Because mm. I got one on a stick, do you know what I mean? And when I, mean, I think about it now, now that I've kind of moved away from broadcasting, yeah, there isn't, there isn't a Sikh guy on telly today, is there? No, and that, that is, I was going to ask you about that later. Like, you know? that, that is, it's really interesting to note that. Like, it's you know, in many ways, we've, we've gone backwards in lots of ways. The adverts mm. have moved forward, but the TV show, I think. What was your first presenting job? It was, well, actually, weirdly, the first presenting job won a BAFTA um, in Search of the Tartan Turban. Um, I'd done bits and pieces up reportage and stuff um, up in Manchester. Um, yeah. But this was, you know, the real deal, but you know, again, you know, I've had a great career and I continue to do some amazing things. Mm. Um, and again, when you're this is what's again what's so nice of a stepping away from it and doing other things is I can close the door on it and contextualize it. You know, some of the people I've met, some of the stages I've worked on, you know, when I, mean, I did a music festival in uh, in uh, East London, 50,000 people. But, you know, I think also it's, uh, and I was incredibly well, people spent, the BBC spent a lot of money training me mm. and individuals in the industry spent a lot of time taking me under their wing and showing me how to do things. And I worked really hard. But there comes a point in your career where, you know, so people, so how many people listen to this podcast? A few hundred. Right. So why am I doing it? I'll tell you, because sure. you're a nice guy. You're a good guy that puts the effort in and well, so, you know, that's why. And here's the justification. Here's where this goes wrong. I grew up in an era when we were sitting in ideas meetings, right? And somebody comes up with an idea, and it's happened to me. Oh, so I never forget it. I said something, that, and people said, and they were right to say, it "Goes no, no, that's not going to be right." You know, it's not a good idea. And I said, "I, but people will watch it." And a, a woman from the other side of the room, I'll never forget. She's my friend today. I mean, incredible, incredibly bright woman. Said, "People will turn up to hanging on Glasgow Green." doesn't mean we're going to put it on the telly. And what we have now is a ha- hangings on Glasgow Green. You know, what's the television that rates? That's what... I, now, listen, I'm a hypocrite because I did Celebrity Big Brother. I did it for a reason that I feel I can justify, you know, so, but... So that is, a, that, is a good, that is a good point. That pulls us back to the... So my, 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 my second question in the last part was about... Famous rich and, and homeless because yeah. I, I feel I didn't watch it, but I've read I've read I've now read about it this week while we were preparing to, to do this episode. Um and that to me sounds like a much more gratifying watch than 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 goggle bucks ever could be. So tell me about the experience doing famous rich and homeless, and then I want to hear about your experience doing celebrity big brother and how you came to because oh. they are very different shows. Were they? I felt they were very much the same. <laughs> um uh, so with so again, I was talking about my school and being socially engaged. So yeah. every Friday from the age of fourteen, we would go down to George Square and help with the soup kitchen. Mm. So we'd set up a wee table, big load of broth or soup and rolls, and just you know give that to homeless people. And I mean, here's the funny thing: that was 1982-83, four years into Thatcherism, and there had never been a need for a soup kitchen. In George Square before that. Until that point, yeah. I've never seen so many homeless people. When I was away and getting two buses across Glasgow at the age of eight, and I did, and I saw what was happening in my city at the age of eight, I didn't see homeless people like I see today. You know, yeah. anyway. I'm out, and you kind of talk to people, and you humanise it. And it was always something that was very close to my heart. And then when you're freelance in London, and I was a young dad trying to bring up two kids, hand to mouth, you know. I mean, genuinely, it was the money on the, the dresser. You know, because yeah. I... I wasn't, I was making decisions based on creative uh, vision and not making money. Yeah. You know, so I was like, you know, I could have taken a job that was paying me double what I was getting paid, but I just couldn't do it. And I was with my ex-wife, it was amazing. I phoned, she was, did you get the job? And I said, yeah. She was, do you want the job? I said, no, she was, come home, I'll put the kettle on. She knew we had no money for the next month. You know, yeah. but that, you know, so for me, and it's not a big exaggeration, but homelessness wasn't that far away. You know, mm-hmm. and for many folk, it isn't. No, many no. Folk, it's one left turn instead of a right. I met yeah. a guy 
on the streets of London, who one night to close a massive business deal, a client said he wanted to he wanted to get some cocaine, took some money at the ATM, found out, got some, gave it to the guy, right? Didn't even use it himself. Yeah. Got to that business. His wife said, what's this 60 quid? He told her the marriage fell apart because there was no trust anymore. You know, he ended up homeless for that one moment. One left turn, as you say. You know? Right, yeah. Um, so for, for me, you know, I wanted, and I, I also grew up in an age of television and the kind of the Lord Reith, um, Lord Reith's kind of description should be educational, uh, entertaining and, uh, and informational. Um, mm-hmm. And I felt that being famous, being rich, irrelevant. Yes, yeah. almost perfect, you know. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did it. I had lots of fights during it because, and listen, you have to understand. We, you know, we are called the talent, whatever, right? If anything happens to us during filming, the production company will be sued to high heaven. But I don't really want to do a program like that when I've got security guards sitting next to me. So I'm trying. I'm trying to get as 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 real as I can get. You know, what I mean, yeah. I, I found for Bishop Briggs off the telly going on a homeless program. It can't be that real. But I'll never forget the experience. I tried to make it as real as I could. Mm. I experienced certain things that stay with me today. And, you know, like today, you know, I, I bought some pastries from my neighbour and I got a couple of extra ones and gave to a homeless guy in the West End. Every day I'm thinking about it, you know? Yeah, it's still, still have stayed with you for sure. I mean, those, first of all, those experiences in George Square and all that sort of thing that you're talking about, but also that experience of being... As much as, 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 as you say, you can really do it fully for real, no. but the experience that you had will certainly yeah. stick back in film. But then, you know, I would spend, you know, when I split up with my wife and I wasn't able to spend Christmas with my kids, hmm. um, rather than spend it with other people's kids, even though they were my family, um, I really wanted to seek, and, as, and, and I wasn't a Christian, although we, you know, Sikhs don't mind celebrating Christmas, you know, anything involving meat and alcohol and a queen, we're happy with, you know, it's just a yeah. different little queen yeah. in sequence and singing a song. Um, so I went to cook at a homeless shelter because I'm a chef and I can do that. And I tell you, as I say this to all my Christian friends, if you want the real essence of Christmas, if you want to understand what the Christian faith is based on, leave your house on Christmas Day, go homeless shelter, go cook there, go serve people there. Um, so tell us about tell us about Celebrity Big Brother then. Because that's a very, very different experience altogether. Um, are you glad that you've done it? Would you do it again if you would? Like, obviously, I, you, you don't go in there twice. But, like, I mean, I mean uh, knowing what you've experienced, would you uh, recommend it to other people? Or, like, wh- where do you sit on it? It's impossible for me to recommend it to anyone else because it's such a personal decision. My sure. reasons for going in were quite simple. Mm. I had um, led... I've taken a kind of, for want of a better phrase, a bit of a moral high ground in television, right? Yeah. I didn't do clip shows, so I wouldn't be on the 50 funny sitcoms, right? Uh-huh. Um, and what happened, so, so my profile wasn't as high as it should have been. And, you yeah. know, you make 100 quid there, but you do that two or three times a month. It's a handy bit of money, you know, keeps the, uh, you know, the, the wolf in the door. And, um, you know, balsamic vinegar and the cupboard, two different types. Sometimes it just depends whether you go waitress or Sainsbury's. Um, but for me, that, that wasn't what television was for. I wanted to do, you know, Master Chef was good, Question Time was good, Our Deep Dust Channel 4 was good, Sitcom was good, you know, documentaries about Scientology. I wanted to do something with weight and, and integrity. And so television I grew up watching. So there comes a point in your career, you kind of go, well, hold on a minute. I seem to blame other people. Maybe I need to look at myself. Maybe mm. I've been doing the wrong thing. Maybe I yeah. should just do this reality TV thing. Maybe it's an opportunity to reach a different audience. They don't watch the other programs I do. They don't watch This Week with Andrew mm. Neil. They don't watch Question Time or Late Review or whatever. Yeah. Um, points, yeah. So I, I did. And, um, you know, it's you kind of get in there and you realise, I mean, listen, I'm barely a celebrity. Let's all be honest, right? I mean, what is a celebrity? I mean, that, that's hard to define what that word even means. I am, you know, I'm not interested in being a celebrity. I'm interested in getting on the 38 bus. I'm interested in only to aware of my place in the hierarchy. Yeah. Let's give this a go and let's see if it can reach a different audience. Um, and I think in hindsight, it perhaps wasn't the wisest thing to do, but... Mm-hmm. For me, it was always, it was my last throw. If it worked, 
brilliant. I could then get my put myself in a, a, a position of power in the industry and dictate a little bit more about the programs I wanted made, right? Yeah. Um, it was, you know, and I did engage with an incredible audience and I did manage to make points, I think. I've never watched it back, you know. Um, yeah. It did end up, <laughs> it did lead to me having depression, <laughs> kind of, you know. Yeah, I just, I mean, it's just, um, you know, folk weren't particularly nice to me in there. But then I also understood, like, just, oh, celebrity is so worthless. These people, you know, some of the people in there, they don't know anything. They're famous for being on Celebrity Love Island. Then they've become a celebrity for being on a programme. But it's something that I guess that you can look back and say that you did, you made the choice for the reasons that you've that you've justified. And, and it wasn't the greatest experience for you, but, you know, you're here on the other side and you're still doing a lot of really interesting stuff. Um, and some of that at the minute, you, you've got a, lot, a bunch of comedy stuff on the go at the minute, don't you? Am I right in saying that? You've, been, you've done a few different comedy shows now. The, the Nearly oh. Naked Death, Chat with Salah, Indian Takeaway. Oh, yeah, it becomes less and less fulfilling, you know, because, you know, when uh, folk are, folk are more interested in people that are on the telly. So the, those will be the ones they'll go and see, you know. And I love you mean, you mean in terms of you mean in terms of comedians, it's becoming oh, less relevant. Right. You know, so people, you know, in conservative times, people don't want to take risks. So that's one thing. And the mm -hmm. other thing is, you know, I'm actually quite a serious guy, mm -hmm. and I think I want to spend this next part of my life. I'll still be funny, you know, but I don't think I want to do stand up anymore. I don't think it's okay. as rewarding as it used to be. Okay. Um, I think also. You know, if one middle-aged brown guy steps aside and maybe two young women can step up, you know, we're not short of men doing comedy. So, yeah, yeah. You, know, um, you know, plus I had a fucking great time doing it. Who knows what the future holds? But right now, um, I'm looking for a smaller life. I'm looking to connect. The beautiful thing about the, the podcast is, um, but I don't need to go to a third party. So you feel like the like you're finished for now at least with the with the comedy side side of things in, in terms of stand up, but you must have had some some good memories and stuff of travelling on the road and whatnot with the show. And it, listen, it's it's a weird one, but you know, being me is a bit challenging to me. Um, I I have the drive, um, pompous though it sounds, but I'm from this city in this country, and these are my politics. I have the drive to want to. I don't want to live in a country where any Wayne goes to bed hungry at night. Yeah. I don't want to live in a country where anyone uh, is worried for having a roof over their head. I don't want to live in a country where a woman fears the sound of a key going in the door because she doesn't know whether she's going to get battered or not. I don't want to live in that country. And if I've got the drive and if I've got the, the some knowledge and some experience and if I've got the ability to talk about it here... Yeah. You know, I can talk about it here and talk about it other places. If I can action those changes, maybe that's a better use of my time than standing on stage for an hour and talking about, you know, a funny thing happened on the train to York. You know, yeah. if people to listen to me, maybe I need to start acting like a 52-year-old man. And maybe I need to start acting like somebody. Maybe I need to be the change I want to see. Yeah. Maybe I need to start putting food in folks' mouths myself with my own hands. Maybe and, if you redistribute the wealth, I have no wealth, but if I get some, I'm going to give it back. Maybe that's what I need to do. That's you, you obviously have you've discussed in some depth, like you know your political allegiances and all that sort of thing on the on this episode so far. Would you go into politics yourself and be and be a politician? No, you know I'd love to, but here's the other thing. Um, this is also interesting about being a Scot and being a person of color. I recognise commonalities. There is an inferiority complex in a lot of people of colour. We don't feel we're as good as white people because we've grown up either being, you know, the grandchildren of empire or we don't see ourselves on the telly. We're not role models. We're, you know, we're always talked down upon. We're always suspected of this, that and the other, you know. We're packies with this, with that, right? Now that's changing. But equally as Scots, we don't have a good conceit of ourselves. We don't believe in ourselves. And you'll need to look at the Scottish press. Ergo hates itself. I would love to run for public office, but do you know what? I've been to parties. I've said things. You know, I got pulled through the press last summer 
and I didn't actually do anything, but they managed to assassinate my character. You know, if we we get the press, we get the we get the political class we deserve. If I want to get into politics and help my fellow citizens and learn, mm. I'm not going to do it because I'm going to get oh, you know, he wants smoke to join to a party. He once said somebody had a big arse. You know? Yeah. Yeah. He once masturbated on Zoom to a guy called Alistair. No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, you talk about the, um, the inferiority complex that, you know, that, that happens as a result of race, colour of skin and all that sort of thing. And it's shocking that, you know, we've spoken about the, the among other things on this episode, the, the societal changes that we're trying to um, administer, put in place um, as best we can. But when you look at the mm, so like the the impact that social media has in terms of people being able to say what they want to whoever they want, whenever they want, you only have to look at the example, obviously, of the, with the England football team there in the in the summer where Sacco is going to and going to miss this penalty. Uh, and Rashford, Sancho, the whole lot of them, and they've and suddenly they've got like racial abuse. And so rather than you know support the country that and you know praise the fact that they've made the, a, a, a final, they've got this minority of fans who are. I'm loath to, to talk about differences between Scotland and England because yeah, it, I think it can be a bit of a, a, a false equivalent, and and also this ethnically we're pretty much the same people. Yeah, but would that have happened if Scotland? Well, that's what I was about to ask you. Do you think that would have happened? I don't think so. Listen, we have our fair share of bandpops, and he bangs up here. Here's yeah. the difference. The difference is, well, there's two things here. One, when when somebody says something to you, so I'm part of the university called Kevin Houston, right? I think about Kevin was it wasn't Kevin who stood by you when you got racially. You were out clubbing. <laughs> you get racial abuse off somebody. Now, yeah. here's what Kev does. Kev doesn't stand by you. Kev stands in front of you. That's what we do in Scotland, right? That's 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 where we are. That's where we're heading. And I feel yeah. I left this city. There were four black families here when I was growing up, mm. and you see how the multiculturalism of Glasgow has changed. You yeah. know, and that the refugee thing is hugely important. Yeah. No. So, um, uh, do you know what, actually the, the the story you told there about the the um your friend there that you know jumped in that would jump in front of you and take on all these these eight boys? It reminded me of the um remember the story where there was the Glasgow airport terrorist thing and the guy I can't remember his name the baggage handler John, John it was John something wasn't it it just reminded me of that that John Smeaton John Smeaton yeah 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 so. How tell us? So you you you're you're about to start um you're about to launch your own podcast um in the yeah. coming weeks um tell us about that what are your plans for that? Well, so I'm just necking pizza. <laughs> so what do you do kind of a five day a week thing? So the podcast gets released on the Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, so we'll, we'll do chickpeas or beef. We'll do a single subject and talk about it. There'll be a recipe attached. Yeah. And then through the week, we'll do TikToks and <coughs> other chickpea recipes. Yeah, there'll be chat about other, um, kind of, you know, cooking things and the rest. And then it all leads up to the Friday night where we do a cook along. So I release the recipe on a Wednesday, and then on a Friday you sign up for cook along. So we do a live Zoom cook along. Nice. Yeah, and then there are other things. So that's kind of, <clears throat> you know, kind of entry level sort of thing, and then. Well, kind of curry 101 where we go from scratch put put, put your pantry together get the, get the stuff you need mm-hmm. on the kind of basic things because folk love curry you yeah. know but I'm a, <coughs> a bit nervous about cooking it so yeah yeah do that but also like, I've got a lot of followers that <coughs> they want to eat healthily and they don't associate high street curries are not healthy they aren't healthy <coughs> but mine are you know and my yeah. mum's are you know so yeah. it's just kind of a healthy Kind of curry option. We're doing also doing international food because I love Chinese food. Nice uh, ribs. So we're doing all these little kind of basically they're books, but we you subscribe month by month. So each month there's another chapter, and you can buy the whole book or buy it month by month. 
Great. It's a cool concept. I like that. I didn't realise that's where you were going. Oh, with this. No, me and, my pal, yeah, me and my pal Nathan um, um, are really excited about it. Yeah, yeah. So it's launching when? Um, It launches at 20, 23rd? 23rd of September. What, so tell us then, while, while we're talking curries, what is your favourite kind of curry? Tell us, you, tell us what is your... Uh, both to eat and to make, because there's a different... There's a, there's yeah. a different. Um, what? What? Nihari. Um, yeah, let me back down there. <laughs> <laughs> this is a woman, so this is one of my best friends. She didn't eat lamb till how long ago? Four months ago? She now wants lamb every other day of the week. So there's a... <laughs> so, in my opinion, and it's only my opinion, but if you disagree, you're wrong. Um, <laughs> no, joke. Um, the best food in the world, I think, is a, a subcontinent's Indian food. And within India, for me, the best food is Punjabi food. And within the Punjab, the best food is Muslim Punjabi food, right? Because mm-hmm. Muslims Muslims were the essential party people, right? You know, you ever seen that kind of thing? Gold on top, gold leaf on top of food. Yeah. Muslims, right? <clears throat> Dried fruit and nuts. Muslims. There's a thing called Nahari, which is overnight cooked lamb shank. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> the thing about lamb shank is there's a lot of connective tissue and a gelatinous um, kind of fat on it, which renders out as you cook. And that goes into embolden the masala. So okay. the masala is like eaten, it's, it's gloopy and thick and rich, flavoured with all sorts of spices, deep cinnamon in there, fresh ginger and all the rest of it. And then you squeeze about lemon, some fresh chilies, and the and that acid just cuts the richness. And you nice. have it with a pillowy naan. And you realise that there isn't a God. You know, there's just great food. Because yeah, God is food. Um, that's my favourite to eat. My favourite to make is probably um, pork belly vindaloo. Nice. Because it completely um, smashes people's expectations and um, prejudices. A vindaloo is spicy, yes. Yeah. Yeah, but it's yeah. also sweet and it's stringent and it's delicious and it's deep and it's just, you know, it, it's sex in a bowl. <laughs> you know, it, it's all, it's every sense. If you think about sex being every sense engaged, yeah, that's what a great vindaloo is. You're tasting, you're touching, you're seeing, you're smelling, you're yeah. bobbing yourself. It's just delicious. Well, sounds interesting. Need to try that sometime. Pork belly vindaloo. There we go. Um, so aside from the, the podcast, have the, is there any other plans? What else is coming up? Just now? Yeah, um, well, we've like, been invited over to Portugal in the new year in May to do a big banquet, a big food festival. Excellent. Over, uh, which is nice. I'm doing some pop-ups down in Norwich. Uh-huh. Um, I'm doing a pop-up in a, a Glasgow uh, cocktail bar. Um, doing a little kind of like, um, uh, kind of and a core pop up as well. It's just things are beginning to open up again, you know. Absolutely, yeah. Be wary that, like, you know, uh, food, you know, doing food in restaurants isn't my livelihood. I don't want to tread on anyone's toes. For some yeah. people, it's their livelihood. So I need to be respectful to that. Sure. But, you know, if I, if I can help, you know, just, you know, bring the industry um, back to where it was. But I mean, you know, listen. It's never been more exciting to be um, living and eating in Glasgow as it is today. I think we've got the most amazing food scene going on. Best Chinese food in the UK. And new places opening up literally every week. There's a new place opening up. Thank nice. God for the students, you know, coming over here, yeah. supporting our economy. Whoa. Nice. Well, um, Mr. Haldeep Singh Coley. <laughs> Craig Weir. <laughs> Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you very much for um, joining us uh, this evening. Uh, we wish you all the when you're down in Glasgow. Yeah, we'll do. I'll give you a shout, and we can uh, you can we can either meet for Chinese or you can uh, make one of your nice curries. Sounds great. Yeah, <laughs> Sounds great. Um, Mr. Hardeep Singh Coley, thank you for connecting. All the best with the new podcast, bless, bless. and uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll give you a shout, and we'll see you soon. Thank you.